Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding. His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life. It's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious. Think well. Advance good. This is Q. We don't always talk about feature films that are releasing on the weekend that we're doing this podcast, but today was an exception because this film is so great that it's the kind of movie we want everybody that's part of the Q community to go see. It's actually the perfect one to see over the holidays because it features Fred Rogers, somebody who is an amazing character. If you grew up ever watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, that's who this film is about, played by Tom Hanks. And... It's one of those stories that's just a feel-good story, and the story behind the story is where we get to go today. I'm so excited to introduce you to who I'm going to interview in just a moment, a man named Tom Juno. He's a ESPN sports writer right now, but back 20 years ago, he wrote the article that basically became the inspiration for the whole Mr. Rogers movement, really, that's happening these last couple of years between documentaries and now this feature film coming out. We featured these at Q over the last couple of years, but now this film will tell the story behind the story and help you understand how this one journalist walked into Fred Rogers' studio as he was doing Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and how it completely transformed his life. Now, why is that important? I believe we're in a cultural moment right now where we really don't know how to feel our way through the conflict, the way that we handle one another, the way that we oftentimes look past the other and we only are thinking about ourselves and enter a story from multiple decades ago where Mr. Rogers had the ability to actually see people. And it started with children. And you're going to hear as I interview Tom just what that experience was like. So if you're like me, I didn't grow up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I've only come to appreciate it later in life. But we're going to kind of get to enter in through the eyes of a journalist who in 1998 got to step foot into that studio and into Mr. Rogers' real-life apartment and get to know the man behind this entire conversation. So let's listen now to Tom Juno. Tom, it's great to have you as part of the Q podcast. And also just the, the moment that we're in, I just think it's so relevant, so important that we hear a story like yours right now. And your story obviously goes way back to this 1998 assignment for Esquire magazine that you were given. And it just completely changed your life. And so I want for our listeners who haven't heard that story to just go back and for you to just tell us a little bit about how that came to happen and also what impact just that story assignment had on your life. Yeah, sure. Um, so I was writing for uh, Esquire magazine. Uh, it was 1998. I was really quite full of myself um, at the time, but also doubting myself uh, at the same time. And uh, so, was, you know, kind of putting on the out- outward show of being full of myself and even like, you know, being full of myself, you know, on the page in, in prose. And uh, yeah, you were kind of known as a as a journalist who was pretty tough on people, and right? well, I mean, you kind of had that reputation when you got this assignment, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And I was, I mean, it, it wasn't in in my opinion, it wasn't that I was I was so tough on people. Is that as I felt like 
I kind of felt the duty to, to say things about people that other people wouldn't say. And, you know, and that was, that was like my thing, you know, um, I, I would, I would go there and, um, and that, and that led me, uh, to, um, a point in point in my career where I, I, um, when I first went to Esquire, I went with a lot of, uh, as hard as this is to believe, uh, now, uh, you know, at a time when magazines are really, really struggling and really, really beleaguered. But, you know, at the time I went, I, I went from GQ where I'd had a lot of success to Esquire with a lot of, with a lot of fanfare. And, uh, the first story I did for, for Esquire was on Kevin Spacey, uh, the actor. It was a cover story. And, you know, we were, we were quite determined to, uh, make a splash. You know, we were the new kids at Esquire, you know, and, and I outed him at a time when that was, you know, it was a particularly controversial thing to do. Right. Uh, and it was also, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't done. I don't think as an effort to really get at the truth, it was kind of done as a, Hey, look at this, we can do this. I'm going to do this. And, um, you know, we're going to make a splash. And so, you know, it's, it's like, cause I, I still think you can say just about anything if you do it, you know, for the right, for the right reasons and you have the right motivation. But I don't think that, I don't think that the motivation was right at that time. And I, I really took a lot of heat for it. I went from being, you know, um, uh, you know, journalist that people uh, kind of revered to a journalist that people really looked askance at. And then, you know, I was struggling with that. And we decided to do a story on American hero or an issue on American heroes, uh, an entire issue devoted to that idea. And I got uh, assigned the story on Mr. Rogers. I didn't really, uh, you know, believe in heroes. I didn't really know who an American hero might be. And what was uh, your reaction? I mean, when you, when you got that assignment, well, I mean, were you somebody who'd grown up listening to Mr. Rogers? No, no, it was a little bit, I was, I was a little bit too old, uh, for Mr. Rogers. And I was like 12 when he sort of like really sort of became a national force. And, you know, he was exactly the kind of guy who uh, a 12-year-old boy sort of, you know, kind of sneers at and makes fun right. of. And then, you know, later on, as, as, the, as he became even more famous, he became an object of, of parody on, you know, Saturday Night Live, which I watch, you know, religiously every Saturday night. And, um, you know, he was, he was Eddie Murphy. It was Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood, which, I, you know, everybody thought was hilarious. And, and I think that Mr. Rogers, though, was, you know, it was pretty funny as well. But you know that's 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 how I, I thought of him. I did I did not think of Fred um, as an American hero. Yeah. And, so you, um, you you get into this assignment and you start to better understand his world. And you, I mean, the movie that I've watched, I mean, just depicts you know I, I know it's different because it's a movie version of this, right? But where you kind of get in there and and you just start to see this this otherworldly kind of experience happening yeah. that starts to touch you deeply. Yeah, and that happened right away. I mean, that that was that was immediate. Um, I don't know if you've read the original, you know, story, the the profile that I wrote for Esquire '98. But it, you know, it. I mean, it begins. Uh, you just you know, I'll, t I'll tell your listeners the story. I mean, I was I was I had been trying to get in touch with him. I had written a letter to Family Communications, and you know, to to my shock and amazement, they you know they accepted and they gave me Fred's phone number, and I called him. In, in New York City, and you know he he had an apartment right around the corner from Esquire's offices, and he told me that, and I said, well, you know, can I come over? And, and he was like, well, Tom, I'd I'd like to, 
to have you over, but I, I was taking a nap and you can you can come on over, but I, I, I am wearing my robe and slippers. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I, wow. I, I go I go over there and you know, sure enough, he answers the door <laughs> in his robe and slippers. And like with you know, and and and, and, and you know, and, and he's been sleeping, so that you know the room is the compartment's kind of dark and and I kind of you know, I, I go over to the to the chair in the living room and we're talking and then you know of course I think I have I think I have like the brilliant idea of asking him about like his childhood toys and you know he begins it right there he's like oh, you know he, I, I don't even I have no idea what he said about his own childhood toys but he was like Tom did did you have a childhood toy you know and, <laughs> <laughs> and so and you're like and, in shock you're like uh, yeah, what, what then, is happening and then, right now and then so all of a sudden I start talking about you know my 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 beloved you know old old rabbit and you know and I just were talking and he I, t- I was telling him about old rabbit and and he goes Tom I'll I'll bet I'll bet your relationship with old rabbit went all the way back to when he was a very young rabbit too and I was like yes Mr Rogers you know and, I'm like, <laughs> and then in the middle of all this I, I, I'm like in this trance and all of a sudden he takes out his Instamatic camera and says I, I i love to take pictures of all my all my new friends so i can send them to my wife joanne and then i'm you know, i was like he goes do you mind if i take your picture and i was like no i don't mind and he, t- he takes my picture with a flat old-fashioned flash camera and it's in this dark room so there's like so the flash stays with you you know you when you close your eyes you keep on seeing the flash and there i am in this Flash and the old rabbit and a man standing in front oh, of him in his robe and, and that was the you know and that was the beginning of it you know that was that was how it that was how it started and um, yeah and you almost forgot you were writing an assignment at that point you probably thought you'd gone to some sort of family therapy session and right you know and and he just you know he he was you used the word in the intro uh, otherworldly and he was he and he really was sort of sort of other otherworldly and um and you know and that and that began you know the the whole experience with you know you know i I visited went up spain spending time with him in new york city wound up you know visiting him on the set in pittsburgh and then wound up visiting him again in pittsburgh and we took a trip together um to latrobe where he was born and he you know he also showed me the you know the cemetery where uh his parents were buried and where he and his wife Joanne were were set to be buried, and um, you know it was just it was just extraordinary from from the whole way. I mean the the thing that the thing that I had in in common with the version of me um, who you know in the movie who is you know named Lloyd Vogel, um, you know was that I was um, you know I was I was perplexed, befuddled. Um, I just I, I couldn't quite. I couldn't quite believe it. It was, you know, such a, I, I'd never met a person like that. And, and by that time I had, you know, I had met, I had met a lot of movie stars. I had met, you know, a lot of, you know, remarkable kind of people, but this, but Fred really took the cake, you know? <laughs> well, and it seems like even journalistically for you, this was a bit of a, a risk because it was such a turn from probably an approach that might've been cynical or, you know, investigative in terms of how you were trying to get kind of the, the scoop on somebody that that you could expose and now all of a sudden you're revering and enjoying this relationship and you're probably trying to navigate just vocationally how am i going to communicate this story in a way that 
is my style is who I am. Yeah. I mean, talk, talk a little bit about that conflict of well, like, I, how you I, had to make some choices there. I mean, I was, you know, I was, I, I could, you know, be a, a jerk at the time. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't just a jerk. You know, I had, I had, you know, won two national magazines awards, um, for, you know, in consecutively, which I don't think had ever happened at that, at that time. Um, but for, you know, for stories that really took seriously, um, the mystery of, of human darkness, you know, and, 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 you know, human evil. And, um, you know, I, I wrote a story about, uh, I spent a lot of time with, uh, with an abortion doctor, uh, for a story called the abortionist. And, and right after the story came out, you know, he was murdered and he was murdered by a guy I interviewed for the story and who basically, you know, predicted or said he was going to murder the doctor, you know, in, in the piece. And, and so, you know, I really, I mean, these were, you know, I really went there in, in these stories and, you know, and with a guy like Fred, I was like, where do you go? You know, I, you know, if you're going to go there, you know, for a story, you know, where do you, where do you go with a, with a guy who was, who was so good. And, and the thing that Fred taught me, um, about life and about, and about journalism is that goodness, you know, is a mystery all its own. You know, it's it's just as much of a mystery, if not more of a mystery, than than you know than the dark side of humanity. And and Fred and Fred really just you know he showed me that he didn't say that, he showed it to me. He lived it in front of me. And you know, I mean, it's just it's just one of those things. And and you know, uh, one of one of Fred's favorite phrases, you know, about the universe, you know, and and the strange twists and turns that our lives take and the coincidences is. You just never know, <laughs> and and I mean, and that's that's really what this my experience with Fred, you know, demonstrates. Here, I, I mean, I'm I, I go into to do a story about a man whom I don't know and don't quite believe, and you know, 21 years later, I'm sitting sitting here talking to you about him. So you really just never know. <laughs> well, I think uh, you know, as you think about the cultural moment, you currently. You know, you understand the moment we're in, how divisive it is, polarized. Yeah. We sit in a moment where a story like this comes through and it just is in such contrast to most of the stories and the profiles and the 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 people that we hear. I think that one of the things that captured me in better understanding his story and how you've written about it, as well as the documentary about him and now this film was just how much he understood child psychology. I mean, how much he appreciated feelings and validated those for children. And essentially at a moment when in American life, it's become a lot easier to kind of distract your children or give them something that allows you as a parent to maybe go do your thing while they're being occupied by some other thing. Like in a Mr. Rogers world, that doesn't happen. Like the number one focus is he, he just understood the potential of a child and the impact that adults can have on children. And that feels like a message that we need more than ever right now. Yeah. I mean, because I, I do, I do believe that our polarization extends, you know, to children. I I see the way people talk about children, especially, you know, young activists with just so much contempt and so much, you know, I'm thinking of like the, the kids who stood up at, at Parkland, I'm thinking of the, you know, Greta Thunberg, the, the climate activist, you know, it's not even like I disagree with these people. I mean, it's just like these snowflakes and the, and the, you know, the, the contempt that people um, direct at, at children, 
um, you know, and even even that that you know that kid who got caught up in the whole thing, um, you know, last year at at um, in in Washington D.C. Uh, the kid from Kentucky, I mean, I mean, I mean, I was I was astonished at what people wrote on Twitter about a 16 year old boy. I mean, I I was I was appalled. I was astonished by it, and and you know, Fred. So we're in we're in you know our our, our polarization to me you know, extends to, to the next generation, which is, you know, really um, not a good place to be as a, as a culture. And, and Fred really does serve as a reminder. He, I mean, you're exactly right that he was extremely educated in child development and, and did everything on that show in order to, you know, honor, you know, those child-centered, you know, precepts. But, you know, he also had this idea when he talked to anybody when he talked to you, when he talked to me, when he talked to either, you know, CEOs or, or children on the street that, you know, he always said that, you know, you were a child once too. And that was, that was like his foundational idea. You know, the idea the the, the, the very, very, you know, Christian Presbyterian idea that, you know, we are, we are all loved as we are. And those were, those were his two ideas. You know, he, he was, and he had a very, very, complicated and beautiful legacy based on, you know, quite simple things that we always tend to forget. Well, and it, it seemed even then, I mean, he was dealing with some of the difficult kind of cultural issues that kids would be trying to process. I mean, I, I know the episodes on divorce and talking about difficult things and trying to do that in a delicate way that honored parents, but also helped children try to process. It's hard for me to even imagine him doing that today, you know, what, like all of the topics and issues that were so divided around, you know, even with his creativity, how could he even approach some of those topics? I don't know that it could be done again right now in public broadcasting to help people process through really difficult and, and hard to understand confusing topics that children today are being asked to not only process, but have an opinion on or declare themselves as. Well, because somebody is sure to be outraged about it, you know, there's, I mean, and to, and, and to lead some sort of, you know, Twitter march against it, you know, but I think that, I mean, I think that you're right, that it's almost, you can't imagine someone doing what he did, but the, the truth and the fact is, is that nobody is doing it. And, you know, I, I have, you know, often wondered who are Fred's successors, who, who has taken up you know, Fred's mantle. And the answer is really, is really nobody because he, a lot of people, you know, always ask, you know, well, what was, what was Fred after? What did he, he want? Well, he was, he was very specific about what he wanted. He, he wanted the medium of television. He wanted the media, plural, you know, to have the possibility of becoming, you know, a sacred space, holy ground, some, you know, someplace where, where, where people felt safe and where people, you know, felt validated and encouraged to sort of feel their feelings and express them. And, um, you know, when it comes to that, you know, the, he definitely, he definitely has no successors. There's, there are, you know, many, many kind people, uh, in the world who are, you know, practicing, you know, the same kind of kindness that, that Fred practiced, but there's definitely nobody in the media landscape doing anything like that. Yeah. Well, tell us in closing just what your enthusiasm level was when you knew that there was going to be a story told about this that was based on your magazine article 
call it a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And, and, you know, as we head into this season, the holidays, families coming together, people looking for media that actually is uplifting and encouraging, which can be harder to find these days. I mean, this just feels like it's served up at the perfect time, the perfect thing for people to enjoy. But what, what are your hopes for now seeing the story expand to where millions and millions are now going to be able to appreciate in some small way what you got to experience firsthand? Well, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've lived it, you know, I mean, I, 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 you know, um, started working with the, with the screenwriters in 2014, but, you know, at the same time doubting that anything could come of it. Cause I know so many people who, you know, sell the, you know, the rights to, you know, magazine stories, you know, newspaper stories to Hollywood and, you know, they generally don't go anywhere. Um, and then, you know, in the beginning of 2018, all of a sudden I get this phone call that, you know, Tom Hanks has agreed to play Fred Rogers. And, you know, that's a, that's letting me know that the movie is definitely going to be made. And then, um, this summer I, you know, I see the movie for the first time at the same time I'm, I'm reading a, um, a trove of emails that I found that, um, you know, Fred and I corresponded, uh, from the moment we kind of began talking together for the story till Fred's death in, in, in 2003, we've, many, many emails back and forth. And I, I found them again and I started reading them again. And, you know, and then I, then I, you know, saw the movie and, and was, you know, just, I was, I was amazed by it. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed by the movie. There's, there's no other movie like it. Um, quite frankly. Um, I mean, this is a movie that is, you know, about, about forgiveness from the very beginning. It's, it's not like it tries to soft pedal that it's not like it tries to sneak it past you with like, funny action. You know, it, I mean, it is, it is about forgiveness and about feelings, um, from the very start. And then, you know, since then I've been, you know, talking about Fred to, to people in order to get the message out about the movie. And, and the more I talk about him, the more, the more people respond and, and the more I, I understand how much people need that example in the world. And then the movie is just about to come out. And there's a, there's a, a thing in the movie that Fred actually asks the character of Lloyd to do. But the way that the movie is built, I mean, he's actually asking you, the audience, to do it as well. And it's the, it's the moment when he asks, you know, for a minute to, for Lloyd to think for a full minute about the people who, in Fred's phrase, loved him into being. And I've been in theaters now when that happens. And that movie is getting American film audiences to think of the people who loved them into being. And I just, at this moment, I can't, I can't think of anything more valuable or more important. So, um, you know, I'm I'm proud to be part of it and I'm proud to be, you know, talking to you right now. Yeah. Well, listen, you have been the inspiration I know for this and how your story has just compelled so many others to get to know a man that might've been forgotten truly and not known about, not talked about, just, just kind of gone down in history for a certain audience who knew him. I know I grew up and I didn't, watch him i was more of a captain kangaroo guy right right so uh <laughs> same, same here. I was mr green jeans and that whole thing you know so yeah. listen i get what you mean by yeah. he'd be it's kind of snarky to talk about mr rogers and then to come later in life and go my goodness how profound I, I wasn't quite bright enough to appreciate what was happening in that moment 
And I'm so glad now that I can and that my teenagers can watch a film about him and better understand how things once were so that they can have an imagination for how they could be as we look to the future of where we're headed as a society. So uh, we're just grateful for you, your contribution creatively, your inspiration, your time and energy you're putting into helping more people know about these stories because it's truly these stories that help inspire more and more people to really live out the best of who they've been designed to be. So thank you. Well, thank you very much, Ken. It's the kind of movie you can take your family to. It's the kind of thing that'll get you out during this holiday season and create a great conversation and even help you reimagine your own childhood. I mean, I thought that was so fun what Tom described, which is how Fred actually asked him to go back into his own childhood and it kind of took him into this other world. It's not often that film does that, but when it does, it's just beautiful. And so I hope you enjoy doing that with your family. I also want to encourage you because it's not too late to be a part of what we're doing at Q to try to be better neighbors called Q Dinners. And you can go to QDinners.com. Hundreds of people are hosting their neighbors, colleagues from work, friends, to come together and have important conversation around the topic of our loneliness epidemic. You can learn more about that and sign up to host. There's no cost, of course, to host except you dedicating a little bit of time and maybe your grocery budget to helping put together a great meal. So people come together, they watch this nine-minute talk that we provide to you, and it stirs a great conversation around how can we be part of solving the problem of loneliness in our families and our communities and our friendships And I can't, I mean, the stories that we're hearing back from people who are doing this, they're just amazed that these conversations don't feel like they're happening anywhere. And when they have them, it feels so enriching. It feels enlivening. It feels like they can take action, that they can be a part of solving problems. And so we're glad to be doing that. And I want to invite you to schedule a dinner anytime over the next month where you can host your friends and have a similar conversation. Well, as always, thanks for being a part of the Q community. You can always watch our Q moments. Those are our one- and two-minute clips from some of our best talks at qideas.org. And don't forget, subscribe to Q Media. When you're a Q Media subscriber, you're going to get access to hundreds of talks, our playlist, our courses, all of the things that during this time of the year when you're saying, what is my personal growth plan? How am I going to enrich myself so that I can think well about how to engage culture, how to engage some of the difficult conversations I'm having with my kids, with people in my small group or my church. Q Media is a solution for that. It's only $7.99 a month. You can go get a free trial when you go to qideas.org. So check that out and continue to learn with us as we continue to grow together. This program is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.